Matthew chapter 16, chapter 6, verse 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 24 through 33. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in a barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you, by anxious, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil no spin, nor spin, yet I, t- yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that they need them all. But first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Chapter 13, verse 44 through 46. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his glory he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search for fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. This is the word of the Lord. I told Davis this week, hey, will you read for us? He said, I'd love to. I said, it's really short this week. And I sent it to him, and I sent him by mistake the call to worship. I realized, oops, uh, I sent you the wrong one. It's a little bit longer, but you remember like a few times ago, I had him read like the New Testament. So that was not nearly uh, as long, but it was fantastic. So thank you very much for hearing the word of the God. If you want to keep your Bible open, really we're going to be in Matthew 6 and, and Matthew uh, 13 for today's sermon. Uh, but as we want to hear from God, let's speak to God. So join me in prayer. Now, Father God, we're grateful for your words. Uh, these are the words of Jesus uh, on the Sermon on the Mount. Um, this be that chapter 6, God, these are the words that he would give to his disciples and to us. And these words are living words. These words are true words. These words are words that we need to build our life upon. So God, would you give us the ears to hear and understand these words, the ears to hear your voice through the preaching of the sermon. Uh, God, the, the ability, our minds to understand uh, your, your words, your thoughts, your desires for us that, God, your Holy Spirit would be gracious to each one of us, that you would give us hearts of faith that that trust and believe, uh, that, God, you would give us feet that are empowered to to walk in a manner worthy of your name. In so many ways today, we are talking about 
things in which impact all of our lives. How can we live intentionally for the glory of our great God, for the good of our neighbor? And here we have your word telling us that, God, we need you. We need you to speak through a broken sinner like me. Uh, God, the things that I say that are just wrong or just my opinion, let those things be forgotten and fall away. But the things that are said that are true, that contain the gospel, the good news of the gospel, and are, are your will for us to live, would you use those things to, to change us and mold us to be more like your Son, our Savior Jesus? And it's in his matchless name that we pray. Amen. Stay hungry and stay foolish. Stay hungry and stay foolish. I was... I was trying to watch a meme of somebody that sent me a meme and a link to a, a meme, and, and when I clicked on it, something happened, and all of a sudden, up popped Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, uh, he was speaking at a commencement uh, at Stanford University. The year was 2005, and I had no idea how I got there. Now, for some of you, you know what I'm talking about when you click on something on your phone and you find yourself somewhere else and you're on that home page trying to figure out how do I get here and how do I get back? Is it not true? You've just told me how old you are. Some of you young people here, you're scoffing at us. You're laughing at us saying, you guys in technology, you have no idea. You just wait, your time's coming. <laughs> but anyway, I found myself... Not on the meme I was sent to, I found myself listening to Steve Jobs. Interesting, a guy I've always respected, um, uh, admired in many ways. In 92, uh, uh, when I went into ministry, I, became, I bought my first uh, Apple product, a Mac, and I've had that since. So here he is in 2005, and he is going to tell us uh, this amazing speech that he had. In there he says, stay hungry, stay foolish. Let me give you a few more words uh, from that. Uh, he said this, uh, really a fascinating speech, motivational speech. And I, by the way, I was hooked. I was like, I got to watch this whole thing. It wasn't too long, which every time, by the way, ever been to a commencement ceremony? Your whole wish is, please, for the love of God, be short, right? You never think that way about my sermons. I love that. So he said this. He said, your time is limited, so don't waste it. Uh, don't waste it living someone else's life. Don't be trapped by dogma, which is living with the results of other people's thinking. Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your own inner voice. And most important, have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. They somehow already know what you truly want to become. Everything else is secondary. And he's going to use a quote, stay hungry Stay foolish. Words from one of the greatest minds of our generation. Words from one of the greatest minds who is now dead. But Jesus, who is, has the greatest mind of all times, offers us other words. One who has died, but one who conquered death, who rose from the dead. He did not say, by the way, stay hungry, stay foolish. But he says this, hunger and thirst for righteousness. When you hunger, hunger and thirst for the right things. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. He didn't tell us to be foolish. 
And he said, he says, you were to be wise. We, we are to build our lives on Christ the solid rock because when all the difficulty of life comes, when the rains fall down and the floodwaters come up and all of us have been there, when life gets hard, if you build your life on Christ, you'll stand. So these are the words of Christ. And, and in those words of Christ, he'll say things like this that we should seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Interesting, Jobs was saying there's something inside of you that knows really what you need to do. Listen to that inner voice. Uh, listen to that, that thing that's driving you. I mean, stay hungry, stay foolish. But Jesus says, no, no, don't listen to your inner voice. What you really need to hear is the voice of God and the voice of God saying, seek ye first the kingdom of God. All your priorities, your pursuits, your passions, they should be met in me. So in the month of January, uh, we've been trying to look at living on purpose in 2024 and beyond. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we looked at living on purpose, purposeful prayer. We looked at the Lord's Prayer. If you want to go back and pick that up, if you missed it, you can. It's so important for us to start with prayer, to kind of get our mindset on who God is and, and what he is doing. And then we are looking at two things. <clears throat> Some pastor left last week and went to a football game. By the way, last week I was supposed to preach on seek ye first the kingdom of God. And instead I went to a football game. Let me just tell you right now, okay? So just let me tell you what kind of pastor you have. Pray for me. So this week, two and one, we're going to actually talk about our pursuits and our possessions. I promise you it will be in the same time frame of how we are to live. But Jesus says, living on purpose. We need to live on purpose in our prayer life. We need to live on purpose in our pursuits. What are you going to get up and pursue tomorrow and why? And what we are going to live and seek God's purpose with our possessions. What are you trying to get your arms around? So this morning we're going to look at three main things. The questions, really questions for all of us. The first one is this. What king or master are you serving? What king or master are you serving? The second one is this, what kingdom are you pursuing? Uh, and then the third thing is, what treasures are you collecting? Uh, those three things. So first of all is this, what king are you serving? Now, right away, I've already irritated you because you're, if those of you who are American, uh, if you're an American, you don't like kings unless they're in a fairy tale or something like that, right? I mean, we're Americans. I mean, anybody who wants authority over us, we vote for them. If we don't like them, we don't vote for them again. If we really don't like them, we want to impeach them. So Americans uh, have, this, have this way of thinking that kings aren't good because kings will demand from us uh, our, our lives, our loyalty. Um, and so we're very, very skeptical about kings. I've said it before, but for those of you who want more proof, look at the beautiful flag from the fine state of Virginia. The state of Virginia's flag, it will show a king who's been knocked off his crown, I'm sorry, his, his throne, his crown has been knocked off his head. Uh, there's a woman that's not dressed well enough uh, standing over him with his, her foot on there and a sword drawn. And in Latin, the phrase is this, thus to all tyrants. You want to be a king here in America? We're going to send our crazy women with swords, and they're going to, they're going to kick you off the crown, your throne, and they're going to take your crown, and it's going to be over. So that's, 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 that's how we grew up thinking of kings and kingdoms. But the reality is God has made us to, to be serving a king. So 
that, that's like giving you a little bit of American flavor of the reality that kind of makes this passage a little odd for us. Let's be honest. What king are you serving? You all want to say, well, I don't serve any king. Or maybe what master. But biblically, the bigger story of this is this, is that you and I created in God's image. We were created, we were designed by God to serve him as our king. God created us in his image to serve him as king, but, but we all have this kingdom conflict. This is the story of the Bible, that God created us to serve and to know and to love him as he made us in his image, to fill the earth with his glory, to multiply, be fruitful. But it didn't take long in the Bible story for us to say, God, we don't want you as our king. We don't want you as our authority, God. You know, even though you've given us so much and you've given us dominion over all the creatures and, and you've let us have this great life, you know, there's one thing that God says, I don't want you to do. But we're like, man, we hate having someone tell us what not to do. And so by our own desire and, and tempted by uh, the devil, uh, the devil would lie to us and say, did God really say that? Listen, God knows what happens if you partake of that, that tree uh, that, that tree of good, of good and evil, God knows you're going to become like him. Ooh, we like the sound of that. We could be our own king. We could be our own God. We could do our own thing. Man, it looks good. It's going to taste good. Let's do our own thing. You see, the story in Genesis uh, 3 of Adam and Eve and, and the, the sin and the fall of man, that, that changed everything. Why, why is there so much homelessness in, in our world today because we live in a broken world. Why are there so many prayer requests that we have? Because we live in a broken world. And why do we live in a broken world? Because we could trace all that back to our rebellion. And guess what happened when we rebelled against God and sinned against God? Death entered the story. Separation from God entered the story. And all of a sudden, we went from being designed by God to, to love and serve him as our king to be in rebellion against him. And it only took just a couple of chapters. But the whole story of the Bible, the beautiful, redeeming story of the Bible is how God didn't give up on you or me. And how God was going to restore what he originally created and make it even better. That he was going to send his son to, to come and to seek and to save the lost. To come and to die for those who deserve uh, to die in his place. And he dies in ours. To give us life and life abundantly. To reunite us with the Father. I mean, what an amazing story. We are recreated in Christ Jesus to be forgiven, free, adopted, but don't forget this, but to serve Christ as king. He's, he's created us to do that which we were originally created to do, and that's to say, God, you're king, and live for him. But there's kingdoms in conflict. I mean, we're born by nature. We, we, we read it today, and we sang about it. By nature, according to scripture, we're children of wrath. We're dead in our trespasses and sins, which basically says this. By nature, we're in rebellion to God. By nature, something has, God's grace has got to be so powerful in our life that we have to embrace Christ as Lord and Savior. We need to be made new for us to get this. You see, Jesus came for us to rescue us, but he wants us to be living in submission to Christ our King. Why are you here? You are here for God's glory and design. To know and love him. But why are you here? Jesus came to be your savior, to be your friend. He came to rescue you and be your big brother. But he came to be more than that. He came to be your king. The king of kings and the lord of lords. 
you know, Jesus would tell his disciples when he asked them up in uh, Caesarea Philippi, hey, who do people say I am? There's a lot of confusion. Some will say, I mean, like, you're like Elijah, come back. Maybe John the Baptist, come back. I mean, one of the prophets, Jeremiah, who are you? And he says to him, like, okay, guys, listen, who, who do you say I am? And, and remember, hit pause, the most important question ever, and you're going to be asked it. You're going to be asked the question, what's your answer, right? And so, so who do you say I am? So here, here you have Peter. Oh, man, I love Peter. First to think. I'm sorry, first to speak, last to think. First to jump in, first to sink, right? So here's Peter. He says, you are the Christ, which is not his last name. It's, it's a title. You are the Messiah, the promised Messiah. You are more than just the promised Messiah. You are the son of the living God. Man, he knocked it out of the park. And Jesus said, you're blessed. As soon as you find out who Jesus is, he starts telling you what he's going to do. He says, listen, we're going to go to Jerusalem. Uh, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be crucified. Uh, but the third, third day, I'm going to rise again from the dead. Peter pulls him aside and said, listen, Jesus, never, no way. You know, you're the king, you're the son, you're the man. There's no way I'm going to let anybody kill you. He had no idea this was the way. So Jesus starts telling him what he's going to do, and he's going to say really weird things to his disciples. He says, listen, if any of you guys want to follow me, you want to be my disciples, it's not just adding me into your schedule. It's not just a one more thing to add to your portfolio. I'm not, it's not your life plus me. He goes, you want to follow me? Jesus says, anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I mean, I hope you heard those words. Jesus says, deny yourself. You should not be king. You got to get off your own throne. You got to deny yourself, quit serving yourself, and serve King Jesus. So the question is for all of us, how is it with you? Who is on the, who's on the throne of your life? I mean, really, have you come to the place where you realize, ooh, as much as I, in my nature and flesh, want to live for myself, I have embraced Jesus as Lord and Savior. I've bowed my knee. I've confessed with my mouth. He's Lord. He's, he's, he's purchased my life with his blood. He's, he's redeemed me, and I'm his. And if that's you, if, if you can sing Amazing Grace, if you've been made alive in Christ Jesus, remember, you're saved, you're forgiven. I mean, you're his. It's such good things. But you got a king. And the king is Jesus, and he needs to be on the throne. And he's the one who we need to live for. I mean, it's not like our life plus Jesus helps us get across the finish line. It's like, no, no, no. Um, all to him I owe, we now live for him. We deny ourselves, we pick up our cross, and we follow him. The second question is, what kingdom are you pursuing? And I think the question with this, again, kings and kingdom to us, it sounds like uh, when little Peyton came in this morning, she was wearing her frozen dress, looked so cool, um, and, and it was like, hey, are you... You got, uh, is that Anna on your dress? And, and I was next to Mike Carpenter who says, man, it's so cool you know what those people are. I'm like, you know why, right? Because I got grandkids. It's the only reason I know any of these things. Um, but we think of kings and kingdoms and fairy tales. But the reality is, Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Could you raise your hand and tell me what the kingdom of God is? I mean, if we're to seek it first, and we don't know it, by, by the way, let me hit pause and say, by the way, if you have not embraced Jesus as your king, this is not for you. you got to start there. This is for those who are, who've embraced Christ as king. I mean, it's for all of us, but you can't seek a kingdom you don't know. And you can't seek a kingdom that's king you don't serve, right? So this is for those of us, by God's grace, who say Jesus is king, and now he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And the question that all of us good Americans are going to ask is, what in the world is the kingdom of God? 
and it's here and it's not fully here? Well, I'm going to give you an answer. The kingdom of God, you ready for this, is the reign and rule of God where Christ is king. Okay? It's the reign and rule of God where Christ is king. So seek ye first the reign and rule of God in your life, in your community, in your family, where Jesus is the king of that. So that's what it is. It says we are all, listen, the reality is, is we all pursue. All of us pursue because we're made in God's image. All of us pursue what we believe will give us meaning, what will give us comfort, and what will give us joy. You know what you're working for? That which gives you meaning, comfort, and joy. We work to make a name for yourselves. If you're my age, you heard that growing up. You heard it from your parents or great or your grandparents. Go out there and make a name for yourself, boy. You know, you know, won't be a slacker. Go work hard. Go earn your stripes. Go make a name for yourself. Many of you are living that mantra right now. Many of you are trying to find out you'll make a name for yourself because if you have a name for yourself, you'll feel good about yourself. Your self-esteem will go up and you'll know that you are of something of worth. So that's how we often are. Go make a name for yourself. Or maybe in the, uh, the words of, uh, man, who's saying everybody's working for the weekend? Everybody's working. Lover boy, lover boy, right? Everybody's working for the weekend. Why are we working for the weekend? It's for comfort and joy. <laughs> Why are we doing this? So we can hang out and drink beer, right? And so everybody's working for the weekend. That's our comfort and joy. We work to try to earn something, maybe a name. Um, and I think that that's this, this reality. But the problem is this. If you're working to try to earn your name or you're working for comfort and, and joy, uh, there's a little problem, biblically speaking. Uh, God says in a book called Ecclesiastes that God has put eternity in your hearts. I want you to stop and think about that. God has put eternity in your hearts. What fills eternity? I mean, is it money? Can't. Relationships? Kids? Grandkids? Fame? Fortune? Reputation? What fills eternity? God. You ever wonder, even while in your best day, you still ache? You ever wonder why everything goes well, but you still are sad? You ever realize why there's a stinking cloud that still seems to linger over everything we do? Because we got eternity in our hearts. And yes, God has begun to fill it. I mean, the kingdom's not fully here yet. There's more to come. But quit thinking that there's something wrong with you because we live in a broken world and we're still longing for more, right? I mean, young people, here's what happens to young people. You get in your 20s, you're thinking, I got a job. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. We got to move. We got to go find something else. Let's move across this way. Let's try this. You get to your 30s and 40s, you think, oh, crud, this is the best I can, but I still am broken. And, and then eventually, like, oh, my gosh, where did it all go? But the reality for all of us is that God put eternity in our hearts. Only he can fill it. So what are you working for? You know, it's interesting. Um, the, uh, there is a, uh, in psychology class, does anybody take a psychology class and ever heard of uh, Maslow's Hierarchy of Need? Anybody remember Maslow's Hierarchy of Need? There she is, right there. Let me give it to you. This is, this is not everybody's going to give you Maslow's Hierarchy of Need, you know. This is no extra charge. Come on, this is the best joke I got. But anyway, this is not a joke. So, but basically, this guy, Maslow, I took a class of psychology, and he gives us this, uh, Maslow, he's probably dead. I think he's long dead. But anyway, I don't know about him. I know Jesus. But he, uh, he said there's this, there's this reason for living. We got this hierarchy of need, and it starts off with physiological needs. 
Um, and man, I had this up here because it's making it so hard to read. Um, physiological needs. Those are the first things you've got to seek for. It's breathing, food, water, shelter, clothing, sleep. Nina, this is the people who come to see you. They, they are seeking the, the, the base level needs, okay? They need, they're, they're longing for food. You give them a bag, you get those things. So that's, you can't seek for anything else if that's what you're looking for, right? I mean, we all kind of start here. But here's the truth of everybody in this congregation. I bet you, you have more food in the refrigerator than you know what to do with. Right? I bet you most of you are like, oh, I'm not even thinking about those. I got a roof over my head. Yeah, it's costing me more. But then you move from safety and security. You want health, employment, property, family, and social ability. So what's the next thing that we do uh, at, at the sharing center, at the church? We try to say, hey, let's provide for your basic needs. And then let's try to help you get a job. And let's try to help you feel connected. And then you go from there and you have love and belonging. You have friendship, family, intimacy, and a sense of connection. And then you have self-esteem, confidence, achievement, respect of others, the need to be a unique individual. You know what the last thing, according to Maslow, is? Where most of us live and most Americans are trying desperately to pursue? Self-actualization. Morality, creativity, spontaneity, acceptance, experience, purpose, meaning, and inner potential. When all these other things are met, we kind of start thinking, man, am I okay? Am I self-actualized? Am I, uh... so it, it, where are you on the spectrum? So most of us are probably in that top, that's where Americans typically rest. But here's the beautiful thing. Jesus meets all of our needs to free us up to pursue him. Isn't that interesting? So we read it. Davis read it beautifully. He said, now listen, I don't want you to worry. What's he start off with? I don't want to worry about what you eat what you drink, or what you wear. That's down at the bottom. I got you. <laughs> don't worry about that. Just re think of the birds of the air. I mean, just don't, I got you. I know I'm a good father. So not only that, safety and security. I am your rock. I am your safety. I am the one that will protect you. Love and belonging. You are a part of my family. I've adopted you as my own. Self-esteem. Your worth is found in me. Self-actualization. Watch this. Is our finding our identity, security, worth in him. Not to get a better job. Not to make more money. Not to climb a rung of a ladder that you're not there yet. But to say, Jesus, you are the one that I need for all my needs. Now watch this. This is really cool. If this is true, if Jesus meets all of our needs, guess what? We're free to no longer pursue this. We're free to say it's not pursuing self-actualization. I want to seek first the kingdom of God. I want to seek first him because he's met all of my needs because I will find myself when I find him. I will find all that I'm looking for, not in of ourselves, but in him. Isn't that beautiful? Christian, that's what he says. He's basically saying, listen, I'm going to meet all your needs. Stop seeking them. I don't want you to focus on them. Focus on me. Yes, he's going to want us to work and do things, but under the provision that he has for us. Serving on mission for Christ our King. So there's two things. So what king are you serving? Okay, we've got to be living for Christ our King. And what kingdom are you pursuing? We've got to be serving Christ our King. With our lives. I mean, listen, this is not just for me, it's for you, it's for all of us. I mean, it's not just for Nina, who's given her life up a very amazing career in hospitality to go serve those in need. It's for all of us. 
All of us, tomorrow when you wake up, what king are you serving? You? Uh, what kingdom are you preserving? Your own? Or are you, are you living for him? Are you serving Christ the king wherever he has put you? And then lastly, what treasures are you collecting? Are you collecting earthly treasures? Or are you collecting heavenly treasures? Are you hoarding earthly treasures? Oh, I'd love to be able to bring you back to my grandma and grandpa's house. Oh, it's an amazing house. It's a place we went to vacation in the middle of nowhere, Lakeland. Um, and it was an interesting little typical Florida ranch house. Um, but my, you walk inside, it's a museum of junk. <laughs> Shh, sorry. Um, they had a huge marlin on the wall. They didn't even fish. They had pictures of old people that weren't relatives. And you go and say, Grandma, who is this? Is this like my great-great-grandfather? No, I have no idea. I said, oh, well, why is he on the wall? I found him in a, a garage sale. I'm not kidding you. No one should be in a garage sale. They're on the wall. I'm like, okay. That's awesome. Grandma, is there any, like, spot on your wall that's not filled with stuff? I mean, this is amazing junk. <laughs> Woo. I'm not, I don't even think she was a hoarder, but I don't know. But she was collecting earthly treasures. Are you collecting those or heavenly treasures? You know, what are heavenly treasures? I mean, that, that's another thing. What's the kingdom of God? What's a heavenly treasure? I mean, you want to say, well, if I'm supposed to seek first the kingdom, and if I'm supposed to sell, listen, I love that, sell everything you have to find the pearl of great price. When you've come to Jesus and you realize what he's offering, you just want to let go of everything else. You want to make sure you get this king and this kingdom. Nothing else is of anywhere close to value. So what are these, what are these heavenly treasures? I mean, again, these are Jesus' word in the Sermon on the Mount. I think we've got to listen to them. It's not so much the stuff we accumulate, it's the life we live. Did you hear that? It's not so much the stuff we accumulate, but the life we live. It's, Jesus says, who is blessed? <laughs> blessed are those who hunger and thirst. So I'm hungry and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are those who mourn, and so they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who are the peacemakers. I mean, blessed, blessed are those. I mean, the completely upside down gospel. He said, here are, the, here are the things that you value. Value how to live your life. This is how you sort of value, not this Maslow's hierarchy of need. Heavenly tre treasures are not trinkets of this world. They're found in seeking first the kingdom. They're treasures secured by godly living. And let me give you just a couple. A treasure of a loving marriage. Oh, every marriage is difficult, but a treasure of knowing that two are committed to each other in Christ Jesus. The treasure of believing children. Oh, what a great treasure that is. The treasure of peace that passes understanding. The treasure of knowing you're loved and accepted by your creator. The treasure of Jesus. Jesus himself will ask the question in Matthew 16, 26. He'll say, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole beloved world and forfeits his soul? What shall a man give in return for his soul? Who you, who's your king? If Jesus is our king and Jesus' kingdom is our pursuit, and Jesus himself, watch this, is our treasure. He's our treasure. What will you get up and pursue tomorrow? What will you seek after? Jesus treasured you enough to seek after you. Jesus treasured you enough to come rescue you and give you the ability to do that which God created you to do, to seek ye first the kingdom of God. The treasure of Jesus.
It's the greatest. Sell everything you have. Make sure you have him. Amen? Pray. Now, Father God, thank you for that sermon on a mount that still has the greatest words ever spoken coming from your Son, our Savior Jesus, who will tell us to seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto us. That the kingdom of heaven, it's like a pearl of great price, that once you find it, sell everything you have to make sure you get it. God, I pray for anybody in this room that doesn't know Jesus is Lord, that today would be the day that they would realize that they're in the wrong spot, that they're on their, the throne of their life, that they got to make room, that they got to bow a knee, that Jesus came to rescue us, yes, but he came to be our king, and he is the king, and he's coming back as king, Lord of lords, and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And oh God, thank you for the grace that we could say that today because you made us alive. Is there anybody here that doesn't know Jesus is Lord? May today be the day where they confess the need for their sins to be forgiven and to Christ to be on his rightful place in their heart as Lord and Savior. God, for those of us that are yours, may we not be foolish and build our life upon the sand. May we not pursue a kingdom that's passing away. May we not store up treasures that are susceptible to moth and rust and thieves. May we build up treasures in heaven. But more than anything, may we see Jesus as the greatest treasure, the pearl of great price. And may we bask and live for him. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.